This is Recruiting Daily's you, Recruiting Live podcast, podcast, where we look at the strategies behind the world's best talent acquisition teams. We talk recruiting, sourcing, and talent acquisition. Each week, we take one overcomplicated topic and break it down so that your three-year-old can understand it. Makes sense? Are you ready to take your game to the next level? You're at the right spot. You're now entering the mind of a hustler. Here's your host, they use so much technology for their clients and for themselves, etc. So this is just, I just can't wait to hear how all this played out. John, why don't you do, do us a favor and introduce yourself and Ryan, you do that as well. Yeah, thanks, William. John Wilson, CEO of Wilson ECG. Quick background on our company. We operate in a lot of countries all over the globe. And we provide you know, large-scale outsourcing to clients wanting to get better from a talent perspective. And Ryan? Ryan Carfley, formerly the president and CEO of Personify. Now I lead the life sciences division here at Wilson. 21 years in the recruitment industry. Started off as a traditional search firm and brought our business into the RPO sector in 2006. So really grateful to be here and great to finally meet you. 100%. Now, do when you came into the RPO side of things, did y'all, was it white labeled or uh, a multi, not a multi tenant, but a one to many model where you could work with an RPO that had several hundreds or thousands of clients? So, we were really fortunate when we entered the sector. We came in through what would be one of the largest conglomerates in life sciences in Danaher. So, we oh, incrementally yeah. moved okay. across the Danaher platform over the course of our first decade in the sector, which gave us both enterprise exposure as well as global footprint, primarily across North America and Europe. Oh, that's cool. I had a friend, uh, Charlotte Marshall, that, that worked there you know, on the town acquisition side. Maybe Incredible was, organization. Yeah, the great company. Personify, what would you say Personify does? We'll just talk about that quickly. We were, we are, uh, were enterprise RPO provider, primarily in the life sciences, healthcare, and biotechnology sector. We gave what we would consider our clients unprecedented talent access to some of the most labor deplete sectors really in the world. When you think about oh, nursing, cool. healthcare, yeah. biostatisticians, there's a, a very, there's a subset of very specific recruiting that can go off that require you to have the talent network and access to, to really deliver. And so that was primarily where and how we built the business. Oh, I love it. I love it. Uh, John, what did you see when obviously you've been tracking Personify for a while, of course, like to track everything else. What did you see in them and what did you see in Ryan? Yeah, I, I think Ryan and I had known each other five plus years and I was initially just intrigued by his desire and the company's desire to continually get better. They had built a really fantastic business at scale without taking any outside capital, but just built it, bootstrapped it. And we had seen and heard their success, as Ryan alluded to, in uh, the life sciences and, and biotech side, which um, we think is probably going to be over the next 10 years, one of the fastest growing industries um, in, in, in the global economies. For all the reasons on paper, it made sense. And then when we 
got to know Ryan deeper and understand the culture behind the business, it became very exciting for us. And so we were all in about a year before we actually got the deal done. <laughs> and, um, this was something we definitely wanted to have as part of our platform going forward. So with RPO to RPO, you're filling a gap because obviously you've, you've done some work in the life sciences, I would assume, over, over the years at one point you probably got pulled into some gig or whatever, but this is a specialization. So you, I could see where, on again, on paper, this makes sense because they're experts, specialists at this. You all know, you both y'all been in the RPO world long enough to know that every RPO kind of does things a little differently, especially behind the veil. And sometimes even like contracts and things like that. So how did you, and you're probably still working through some of this, but how do you reconcile like something that Personify does really well that maybe Wilson doesn't do as well or vice versa? Yeah, I think that's always the hardest part about integration is you, you when you're the acquirer, you typically spend most of your time looking at what the company you're acquiring is doing. And what it does is it opens up the time where you need to look internally as well at the things that we could be doing uh, better. Right. Uh, and what we found unique is there's ways that they deliver, especially in the life sciences and healthcare side that are unique and drive results that were superior to what I've seen in the space. Part of the reason why, why Ryan was leading the whole thing and is now leading the healthcare and life sciences portion of our global business is to utilize that those expertise to drive further growth and value to our clients. I love it. Ryan, what did you see in the acquisition? Growing a bootstrap company, not easy. I've done it more than I care to admit. And there's, there's, it's nice. I've raised money and also had that <laughs> pain as well. But what, what did you see in the acquisition? So I think there's a couple of things John mentioned that jump out at you right away. John and I had been in pretty close communication over the better part of the last five years. And so when you think about uh, basic philosophies on business and the way you treat people, the way you treat your customers, I was already acutely aware of what Wilson HCG was going to look like primarily as we all looked under the hood. And some of those foundational items, I think, were critical in our decision to come together. But when I think about what Wilson brought to the table by way of global footprint, in addition to they were quickly moving up as it related to, to the size and scope of, of where we saw them as an enterprise provider. And so it felt like a very logical next step to be able to make uh, a significant uh, amount of noise in this space to team up with what is what I would consider to be the best delivery platform in the business. And giving our customers access to that platform was something that we thought would would bring an immediate boost to all parties. And we've been right about that. Yeah, I've always, I've been a big fan of, of Wilson HCG since I met John 100 years ago. And, and I think it was in St. Pete, John, that we had lunch, but it might have been in Tampa. And he's, he, because at the time, RPO, I think Terry and the right thing were selling it like per $2,500, $1,800 per hire, whatever the bit was. And John's bit at lunch was like, I want to sell it as like a luxury service. So I want to go to the other side of the market and wrap team around it, wrap all kinds of vision around it and make sure to take care of the customers and charge more. 
And I just, it was so different than everything that I had heard in the space and all the, all the other RPOs that I had interacted with. And I just fell in love with the idea. And then he pulled it off. Uh, it's interesting now, Ryan, that now you're working in a situation where, A, you're already global before, but you in an even a more global uh, situation, but you've got financial backing, <laughs> which <laughs> when you're, for those that are listening, when you're self-funded and uh, bootstrapped, things can get interesting from time to time, depending on the, how the market's going. But it's actually nice to have some backing. So what's that like for you? <laughs> I think it comes with a tremendous amount of responsibility, yeah. uh, to be honest. We feel very fortunate to be a part of Wilson and 3i. And I think that comes with a responsibility to deliver back at a high level. I, I don't know that I've ever woken up, at least post-acquisition, feeling, okay, we've now got the backing to, to we can take that I can relax. But I will right. tell you that the amount of risk that you can take with a group like Wilson involved is far different than when you're bootstrapped. Right. So I think the ability to expand and to, and to rapidly expand, I think is something that came with this merger for us. And we're really fortunate. There, there comes a threshold in RPO when you're a standalone bootstrapped provider that you, there is work that you would have to pass on. Right. We no longer have that barrier to, to entry anymore. Oh, and that is super cool. exciting. Yeah. But, for and, sure. both, and both of y'all are competitive. So now what I like about that is it is, it seems culturally, it seems like a, like a really nice fit. John, and I know that you, you spoke about it at the very beginning that y'all have got to know each other, understand each other, worked out any type of chemistry stuff just, just through that time. Team to team outside of the two of you, obviously. Y'all both have pretty large teams. What is the uh, kind of the integration of the teams been like? Yeah, I think that was something that really drew us personified post knowing Ryan. We've been, he, there's a little executive search function of the business that really fit well into ours and fill the gap. The way that they were going to market from a sales perspective fit very well. So it, it in a lot of ways, when I look back at the similarities of where Personify was when we were that size, those similarities almost are scary. It, it, it takes a little bit to, with infrastructure and the bigger business, those processes start to come in play to make sure we're leaving room for the entrepreneurial spirit that got the business where it is and, and, and making sure that we can continue on with with the growth cycle that sonify has been on is there how long is what when did we uh, officially close uh, i think it was official close was ryan was it the first week of february or first week of uh, january 5th yep so we're six months in ish ryan is there anything that you've been uh, I don't know if it's shocked. That's not the right word, but just surprised as you kind of tool around and get to meet people and meet new customers and, and prospects and meet some of the more of the Wilson people. Is there anything that's been surprising in a good way or, or a bad way, whatever? Just anything that surprised you? I think that the differentials in tech stack at Wilson were was incredible. I, I had no idea the tools and certainly the advent of Claro was yes. something that I was completely unaware of. And the way that they leverage those tools into their delivery model, I don't know that I was surprised as much as I was impressed. I think that when you think about the caliber of people that are here, you really get a general sense for, we, we were always, Wilson's always been and will uh, had been 
an adequate rabbit to chase in the market. But when you look under the hood, you, you quickly understand why. Kim Pope is probably the best in the business uh, as it relates to, to, to delivery and as an operational leader, one of the very best I've ever run, I've run to. And to see these services delivered at scale like they do, I don't want to say I was surprised, but I was impressed, like I said. It's to me, I think, John, uh, this is 100 years ago now, but we were talking about ATSs. And I think he said, told me at the time, either they were number one, number two, number three, like one of the larger ISINs customers. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, we have a <laughs> we have a lot of ISIMs licenses. I'm like, really? I was shocked because I just didn't know. Because, you, you know, when you're not in an RPO, again, for folks that are listening, you have no idea how the sausage is made. You just, you just don't know. They're using their own technology. They're using their client's technology. They're like all of that stuff. I'm, I'm glad you brought up the technology part because it's the Claro edition acquisition was wonderful. It's just a great addition because you just got great analytic data. And Michael's also a good person as well. John, what's, what do you say about your tech stack? Because again, people don't know what goes on behind the veil. Yeah, it's so true. Um, yeah, I think that Claro, everything we've done up to from a technology perspective, I think Claro has the potential to make the biggest impact. It's something that we use every single day internally. Our clients are ecstatic to have it, and the market perceives it very well. It was interesting, though, after we did the deal, we took a, we didn't sell Claro for six to nine months. But we focused on the user experience and trying to build what we want Claro to be in two to three years. And I, I believe it's going to be game-changing in the way that companies look at their data, they analyze it, and they make decisions when they're looking forward. And I think you and I have discussed in the past, most HR and talent data is always looking backwards. And getting the ability to start looking forward and making decisions, whether that be setting compensation bands or being able to set your headcount numbers for the year. Those type of things that Claro is able to produce is really remarkable. And we're really excited to get that out as its own product now and in the future. I love that. With both y'all, I wanted to ask you just the running of a services firm that also has a heck of a lot of technology you might even call yourselves technology firms now with a little bit of service. I'm not sure how you want to approach that, but what's it like? Because when you first started RPO or staffing firm or the MSP, it's services. You're doing a whole lot of services. And yes, you're using technology to find people and to do all the other stuff, but it is mostly a services business. Now you wake up years later and you've got all this technology behind the scenes, but all this technology that you're also investing in. How does that change kind of the way you look at running a services business? Because technology, at least historically, technology businesses and services business are, are run differently. The kind of the, the DNA is a little bit different, right? But Ryan, I want to get your take first and, and, uh, and then John, your second. Sure. I think that um, there is no question that as everyone looks at where the business is headed, non-tech enabled enabled providers were probably going to become you know, extinct over time. Right. I think that's a fact. The level of sophistication and what's actually behind what's going on, I think there, there can be a lot of smoke and mirrors and a lot of the providers and the way they're bundled, which was what made Wilson so exciting for us because 
Claro is a product that they own. It's not one that's bundled in, in within with additional services. And for us, just evaluating where Wilson was in their technology life cycle and the fact that they had ownership over the products that they're delivering, to me, was a game changer. Yeah. And John, your take? I, I, William, I think one thing with, with the Claro acquisition, and I made this clear to Michael and, and others internally, as well as our board, is that services businesses usually ru- ruin tech businesses. And so it was very, we've separated our tech function from the services side of the business for probably the last five or six years. And when we brought on on Claro, it was really important that we kept it as a, a technology company. And you know, what happens is that you, it has to be a give and take where services say, this is what we need from technology, but technology also can go to services and say, hey, we can do this now, or we need to put this in. And so we try to have it much more as a give and take and back and forth versus a org charted command and control when you look at the differences between services, businesses, and technology companies. Love it. What success? For, and I want to get both of y'all's takes on this, and I'll, I'll give you a preface of kind of the way I've looked at acquisitions, more on the technology side of things than the services side, is I usually go about two, three years later after the acquisition, and I look at the company that acquired their ability to keep talent, keep customers, and keep revenue. If they can do those things, then eh, it's probably a pretty good acquisition. Look at like when SAP bought the success factors, they lost Lars inside of 18 months. That was, that was horrible. And when success, success factors bought jobs to web, they lost Doug Bird within a year. So it's okay. For me, those, again, both great companies. Just, I didn't view this, the acquisition as, as fulfilled as it could have been because they didn't keep the talent. And again, I don't know about the, the tech of the, of the, the customers, but. What's, what are you both, because you both are looking through different lenses, but maybe at the same thing, what are y'all viewing success? What is success or how are you going to define success over the next coming months or years, et cetera? John, why don't you go first and Ryan, you clean that up. Sure. I think as much as we've talked about technology on this, at the end of the day, it's still a people business. Relationships are what drives it. So I think your point is very valid looking back on the acquisitions we've done in the past and the focus on making sure we're retaining engaging and challenging the leaders of those acquired companies because when again like success factors example they at least had a technology was the biggest piece of their business and for us it, it, it's people and relationships and so it's extremely critical that we keep those so success for us in two or three years is that we have one of the biggest life sciences portfolios in the industry, if not the biggest, and we're making our employees extremely happy. And that goes for the people sitting in Raleigh or the people in Tampa or the people in wherever in the world. I, I think we're on the right path. Love it. Ryan, what, what about you? What's your view of success? Yeah, I think what John mentioned as it relates to fully integrating into the Wilson culture product portfolio suite of technology, that's table stakes. And then I think our ability to exponentially grow what is a very solid base of life. I think think that's primarily from my seat today where I would view success. But I can tell you that that some of the things that were baked into this pre-acquisition 
will make this a success. And that's just the alignment between the two organizations that was already there pre-acquisition. I love it. Guys, I wish you all the success in the world. First of all, I just absolutely love John and Wilson, ACG, Ryan by, by, uh, by, by connection. Uh, I now love you. And I'll uh, take it. <laughs> I'm in your corner if you ever need anything. And thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks, William. Be well. Thanks so much for having us. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening. Until next time. You've been listening to the Recruiting Live podcast by Recruiting Daily. Check out the latest industry podcasts, webinars, articles, and news at recruitingdaily.com.